Well, good morning and welcome to Water and Stone Church. My name is Dieter Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. And this is a fifth Sunday, which uh, is a special time. You can tell it's special because we have a whole different set uh, that we use for these. And uh, this is our Ask the Pastor Sunday. And if you've been around for a while, you know that what we do is people send in questions and I don't get to see them. Jenny gets to see the questions. And uh, in a minute, she's going to ask me the questions. And as I said, I don't know what the questions are, but it's fair because I also don't know what I'm going to say. So that works out <laughs> nicely. I, 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 I kind of like the off of the cuff response from you. I really do because I, I think it becomes just this really genuine experience. So, well, you know, I, I, it's, I've, I've always enjoyed the Ask the Pastor Sunday. Well, I love doing it. And I've, I've said a couple of times, if you know me, you know that, that I mentioned this to our colleagues in ministry and stuff like that. And most of them say, don't ever do that because you need to have it prepared and ready and you need to do that. And, and I understand that. And I don't ever want it to make it, I don't want everyone to seem like I don't take this seriously. But on the other hand, it's really easy to get into the flow of, I know what I'm going to tell you as your minister or whatever, and you're going to hear me and that's that. And if you stick to that kind of a script, and it is a script, you tend to miss what's actually on people's minds and hearts. And so in this environment where the questions are as anonymous as technology allows them to be. It's nice for people to have a different kind of voice than they would have otherwise. And especially now with all the social distancing and all that kind of stuff, we don't get to see each other the way that we normally would. And so this is a chance for this to be a little closer to a two-way conversation. And so I want to thank everybody for sending in all of their questions. I understand there's some really good ones this time around. And as we get ready, let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is, and so it does. Amen. Amen. All right, you ready for this? Let's go right out of the gate. All right. All right. So the first question I want to start off with okay. is, can I do anything I want with enough faith? So that's a little bit of a loaded question. Well, whenever somebody uses an absolute like that, it's like, it makes me think of our kids. I can pick out anything from the yeah, toy aisle. Right. I can wear anything I today. Wear anything. Yeah. Um, but I get it because... There's a lot of things going on right now where a good hunk of what we see in the media, let's say, is, you know, you really shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. And there is a response from some people that says, oh, no, I've got faith and therefore I can do that. And furthermore, who are you to tell me I can't? And you're impinging upon my religious modality or whatever. And so there's a lot of 
big voices, a lot of attention and a lot of, uh, you know, maybe even controversy about where does this line between the common good versus my own individual spiritual good, these kinds of things, how does that come up? Is it the case that I can do anything with faith? And we know the Bible says with God, all things are possible. We have been taught to believe in unlimited divinity, right? God is not just powerful. God is power itself. God can do it, whatever it happens to be. But saying that God can do a thing is very different from saying you can do a thing. Remember, the Bible also says, I can of myself do nothing. God does this stuff. And so it's a little bit of a cheap shot to go, I'm studying all of this God stuff so that I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I can be mean to people. I can behave selfishly. I can have more money than somebody else. That's why I go to church. I mean, that ain't it. And if for you, your spirituality, your relationship with God is wrapped up in getting your own way, that's a little bit problematic. Because one of the things all the figures in the Bible who say God can do anything, one of the things that all those people have in common is humility, is putting their ego aside, is saying, okay, I'm not the one in charge. And so it's really, really important to say God can do anything. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to do anything you darn well feel like it. Because at the end of the day, ask yourself, that thing that I want to do, is that really something that God would have me do? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask you about that because if I have a whole chocolate cake in front of me <laughs> with faith, with faith, uh, you know, part that cake you know, like the Red Sea. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, Brucey from Matilda, yeah, right, exactly. you, Brucey? <laughs> you know, I mean, I suppose with enough faith, sure you could do it, but is that really healthy for you? And is that really good for you to, to follow through? And right. you know, I'm using a very extreme example, but, but you could certainly go more extreme. Could, if I have enough right. faith, can I tell a racist joke and get away with it? Is that right. how that works? If right. I have enough faith, can I beat somebody up? Right. That, you know, yeah. think about that chain of reasoning and to bring it into a more specific thing, as far as our particular, uh, situation with COVID and all of that stuff. Um, I have enough faith and so I can have people from 17 states come and sit around my Thanksgiving table and we're all going to be hugging and talking with our mouth full and, well, you know, and all that and kind the, of stuff. The and truth faith, is that so you might be okay, but you're putting other people at risk who might not be, even if, you know, even if you have enough faith and you are fine or whatever, it's just like, it's, it, it's not really about you. And I guess that's mm -hmm. what this whole answer is about yeah. is like it's not about you it's about you know what is better for the greater good and what what god has planned for you that's exactly right and in fact it's too late for a short answer for this question but mm. if there was a short answer the answer would be it's not about you and in fact the answer to a lot of spiritual things if you're having problems with your prayer thing working your relationship with god seems strained let's say one of the things to remember maybe this should be the 11th commandment is it's not about you understand that your spiritual thing <laughs> to be as generic as possible is going to work a lot better to the degree that you can get out of god's way you've heard me say this a million times in a million different ways 
And this is no different. The basic idea is, yes, God can do anything. God is the life and the love and the power and the beauty and all of it. That doesn't mean it's okay for you to do just something you feel like doing just because you want to do it. That's not spirituality. It's not some kind of 007 license to kill right. just because you're a you're a, you know on the same page as Jesus about something. Right. Think about the terrible things that have happened in human history when someone decides that they speak for God. And remember that while this is a much, much smaller version of it, doing something selfish just because you feel like it and you happen to have read the Bible recently, that doesn't make it right. One of the, the concepts in the Bible, along with humility, along with putting your ego aside, is loving your neighbor, is doing the right thing for, for the greatest good. We know that Jesus could walk on water, but the disciples often couldn't. So they traveled by boat. He didn't say, I got this. Tough luck, guys. Sorry if you're not wearing your water wings today. We also know that Jesus, really good at healing, really good at prosperity, really in sync with that. And yet he healed other people instead of saying, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm as healthy as a horse. Faith means that you have the ability to care for other people. It means that you have the ability to put your stuff aside for a minute and, and think about the greater good and think about loving your neighbor. No, it's not appropriate to have a giant Thanksgiving with people from all over the place in the middle of a quarantine. That ain't about faith. That's about kindness. It's about the, the greater good. And I'm sorry if that upsets some people, but that's just the way it is, guys. If, if, if what I've said offends you, let's talk about it. But at the end of the day, the deal is that it's not faith that's acting there. It's I'm doing what I want to do because I want to do it. And faith is not what gives you the license to do that. And you may well have some things that you need to work out with you and God and your faith and all of that if you really can't put your desire second. It's part of it. God can do anything. You of your own self, me of my own self, you of your own self can do nothing. You want to get on the same page as what can do everything? Learn how to listen instead of talk. How's that? All right. I like it. All right. So because we have had questions coming in over the last few months, um, this one, I think probably it, I guess it probably came in sometime in October because, um, well, I'll read the question and then and then we'll go from there. Puzzly. Um Do you believe in ghosts? Okay. And yeah, we have the, <laughs> hey, the Christmas no, decor I get it, the Halloween be thing, the, yeah. behind us, you know. So I'm I'm thinking this one came in in October, but I'm not sure exactly if it did. Um, but uh, yeah, do do I, you? I believe it was the 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 letter to the Corinthians when Paul said, "I ain't afraid of no ghosts." <laughs> Yeah, that, that, yeah. Okay. right. No, I love it. I love no, it. was I'm, that bad? I'm that with you. Yeah. I don't know if everybody else. Uh, it's all right. But all right. No, you know, I, I don't want to, to belittle this. I, you know, we've been laughing a little bit, but I know that for some people it's a very serious thing and I don't want to push anybody around, but I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of things I can say about this. But the biggest deal is I have to believe that the direction of the universe, the direction of life is forward. 
What happens next when we go? Well, we go on. To misquote Gandalf a little bit, we go on. We have to. That's how this works. I mean, think about your own experience in this particular body. You grow. You go on. You don't go back. And you certainly don't hold still. Try and hold still in your life right now. Doesn't work, right? Well, why should we think that the so-called afterlife, and I don't believe in the afterlife, there's just life. It may not be in this particular situation, but it's still life. But in, in the after, the right nowness. <laughs> How would we think that it would be any different? I have to believe that you go on and put another way. The basic idea that, that if I go through the change that some people call death, even though we know nothing ever ends, that my forever is just hanging out, watching other people do the dishes. That's terrible, right? I don't believe in hell, but that's awful close. And put the other way, as someone who's in this life experience, thinking about someone who's in the next life experience, do you really want them watching you do the dishes or whatever? That seems awfully limiting. And in fact, it seems a little egotistical that, you know what, after this adventure of this particular experience, the only thing else that can happen is people hovering around watching it like they're watching the worst sitcom ever. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't follow everything that we talk about in the universe. There's also a lot of things that just don't really work for me. Like how come the ghosts you hear about are only from the Victorian times? There's no disco ghosts, you know? It's funny that it's always from these time periods. So putting all that in, in your pocket, no, I don't really believe in ghosts. I do believe that there is more life after whatever this experience is. There has to be because life is never created or destroyed. Life is of God. God can't be lost, so life can't be lost. You know, I have to believe that. But I don't believe that this moment is the end all be all. Once you go, you get to go on into bigger lessons and bigger opportunities. The next life, if you want to call it that, can't possibly be any different than this life in terms of the fact that we evolve. That's why when I do a memorial service or a funeral, use whatever word you like, one of the things that I really try to say to people is they're doing some new work. They did the work that, that they were here to do, the work best known to them and God. And they've gotten a promotion. If you want to look at it that way, well, it'd be a heck of a promotion if all you do is watch other people work and there's nothing you can do about it. That stinks. Why would you want that for somebody? Yeah, but I heard a creaking in the attic. Well, you probably need an attic guy to check the joists. I'm sorry, but I just, I can't go there. If somebody needs to believe that to feel okay, I'm not going to criticize that, but that doesn't work for me based on what I believe to be true about life. Let's celebrate where we are right now and let's celebrate the idea that the adventure never ends. The direction of the universe is forward. All right. So we are about, I guess, a month out now, just shy of a month out of uh, election day. And so this question is, why is politics so ugly? Ooh. And that's, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. I think it's, um, 
you know, I don't know what your answer is going to be, but my answer is, is because your politics is you're dealing with people and sometimes people going back to the first question that we answered about if I have enough faith, can I do anything? <laughs> I mean, sure. I, you know, there it's, it's not yeah. an accident that, that you get to that, but go ahead. Um, well, that is part of it. I, I think that, that, the word politics, some of you watch my Ask Dieter channel and I, I, I did one about um, politics. It's, it's not the same question, but it's a similar question a while back. And I said there, and I'll say again here, if you look up the word politics in the dictionary, it basically just means if you want to get something done and it involves a group of people, what That's you're doing is politics. Right. So politics by itself doesn't have to be ugly or pretty. It's just a thing. It's like if you want water to go from one area to another, you require pipes. Now, maybe some of the things that go through those pipes you don't want to talk about in polite company doesn't mean plumbing's bad. In fact, plumbing is awesome, right? So. In a not too different way, politics is moving things from one place to another. Why does it tend to be ugly? Well, part of it is that I think sometimes people are so stigmatized about politics that they don't get involved. Well, I saw a really good question. It's just like, um, not question, but statement somewhere. And it says, you know, we've, we've been told for years and years and years not to talk about religion and politics, mm. but what that has led to is the inability to discuss religion and politics in a, in, a, a in a civil, you know, um, gentle way with each other instead of, you know, just coming to blows about That's it. That's exactly right. And that is part of it. I think that for a lot of reasons that we don't have time to dig into here, frankly, there is this belief that anything political is off the mm -hmm. table. It's taboo. And so as a result, I do think, just as you say, we've lost the ability to just talk about it. Here's what I want you to know. There are people on all sides of the political spectrum. Uh, spectrum doesn't have sides. On all ends, let's say. Yeah. All across it. There are people all across the political spectrum that love their families, that want what's right for, for the people that they love, that are just trying to make do in their life. There are perfectly decent people all along the spectrum. If we're going to get somewhere, remember politics is the art of getting things done with a group of people. If we're going to get somewhere, we're going to learn how to value all the opinions, but it also means we've got to get good at learning how to express and understand those opinions, right? So why is politics ugly? I think it's ugly because, or it can be ugly, because I think that sometimes people are so yucked up by it that they don't know how to participate in it. And so if I'm not going to share my voice, well, the other voices get to be louder because mm -hmm. I'm not contributing. And that means that, of course, it's going to be stuff that feels foreign to me and weird to me because I'm not talking. You want to fix politics? Well, that means voting. That means running for office. That means mm -hmm. marching down the steps of City Hall sometimes. It means participation, right? But more than that, I think that, that sometimes politics gets wrapped up in what can I get away with? It gets wrapped up in things like there's only so much good and I want the people I like to have all of the good and I don't care what happens to people over there. Tough luck for them. I got mine. You don't get to get yours. It's wrapped up in the idea that there's only so much good. Well, anything. Imagine a marriage, let's say, wrapped up in the idea that there's only so much good. Mm, it's going to be some fights. There's going to be some ugliness. There's going to be some crying. Imagine a work situation where the belief is there only so much good. Is it going to be a happy place to work or is it going to be dog-eat-dog? -dog? Imagine anything that is driven by the idea of finite good. 
And I'm here to tell you that that marriage doesn't have to be that way. Work doesn't have to be that way. And man, oh man, politics doesn't have to be that way either. We're going to get to the place where we realize the greater good is greater good. You know, we're going to get to the place where we start to learn how to work together. Politics doesn't have to be ugly any more than plumbing does. But sometimes you just have to take an active role and uh, pay attention. Nothing has to be ugly. Nothing is ugly, but what we make it. So let's get involved with open hearts and open minds and remember that we're all just trying to make it better. And let's really try to make it better. All right. And that leads me into the next question, which I think is a good follow-up question, if I do say so myself. Um, How does healing work? Because clearly there needs to be some healing here on on all kinds of levels, the political level. And, you know, as we're coming into the new year, I think that that's a it's a good question. Yeah. You know, whether it's a personal healing or a, you know, world healing. A healing in in organizations, a healing in your body, a healing in your pocketbook. Right. So how does it work? Well, and I love that. Let us know. We want to know right now. How (laughs) does it work? One of the things I actually... um, in my book, Meaning Fulfilled, available at Amazon.com. Make um, a really good Christmas present. <laughs> would that be awesome? It would um, be really, really good. But in, in the book, Meaning Fulfilled, I say that no matter what you're working on, you're actually working on a healing. It might seem like it might seem like, well, I'm working on my money stuff. Well, right. you're trying to figure out you're trying to heal. Mm-hmm. That's a healing of your pocketbook, your relationship with prosperity. Well, I'm trying to work on my love life. Well, you're trying to heal your relationship with love when your relationship with the other person. It's always healing. Yeah. Healing is the thing. It's not only my finger hurts, can you make it not hurt anymore or whatever. Everything is healing. Every problem, every growth opportunity is healing. And I say that because once you know that healing is what you're working on, you can start to work on it intelligently, thoughtfully. <clears throat> and you can start by run understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, you can start by understanding that healing has to do with bringing something back to the way it was designed. And you think about it using that example, if you cut your finger, you're not hoping for a new finger. And your thoughts about healing aren't, boy, I wish I had a finger that I don't have right now or something weird like that. All you're wanting to do is, I know my body has the power to knit itself back together and I'd like for it to do that. When you're praying about healing, you're not praying for something foreign to come in. You're not praying it with the idea of lack in mind. Remember what we just talked about, about politics, where the idea of lack is kind of the problem. It starts the fighting and the discomfort and the ugliness and everything else. If you want healing, what you want is a renewal, a renaissance, right? You want it to be the way it was. So start by knowing that. Okay, so the first step in the healing process is to remember that whatever it is that you're healing, your body, prosperity, love, whatever it is, start with the understanding that it was designed correctly. The idea that healing is possible, the idea that you're not trying to have something that isn't true be true, you're trying to remember and realize, in other words, to make real, you're trying to realize what has always been true. If you know that, then you're on the right track. So first step is to remember that healing is possible. The second step is to agree with the healing. In other words, 
don't just understand that it's possible, but get to the place where it's okay with you. Now, that seems like a funny thing, but really, really think about it. There are a lot of people who define themselves by their brokenness. I don't know how to have a conversation with you unless I'm talking about the things that are going wrong with my life. If it weren't for my dead-end job, I wouldn't know what to talk about at parties or whatever. So the thing is, somebody like that, you're never going to get healed because you are identifying with the brokenness. So realize that healing is possible. Identify with the healing. Let it be okay with you that you can be healed. And then I would say the third step is to carry that into action. In other words, act like it. You know, the what would Jesus do kind of a thing? Well, let's use that same kind of thinking and go, well, what would healing do? In other words, it's not okay to pray for healing of your body and still do things that are destructive to your body. Right. It's not okay to pray for a healing in your relationships and still cheat on the person you're with. It's not okay to act in a way that is in disagreement with what you know to be true. You've got to do this. Remember last week we talked about the Charles Fillmore book, Prosperity, and Fillmore says, God doesn't go to the grocery store for you. And what he's saying there is the same thing we're saying here. You've got to carry this into action. Realize that healing is possible. Let that healing be okay with you and then act accordingly. Really, really, that's kind of the big one. I think sometimes people let themselves get away with a lot of hypocrisy. It's like, well, I prayed about it. I can continue you know, smoking three packs a day while I'm on my way to the bakery because I prayed about healing. What's well, like, yeah, <laughs> you're expecting God to go to the grocery store for you and yeah. you're expecting God to pick up Twinkies and that's, that's not great. And then finally, the fourth thing I would say about all of this is let it go. Yeah, this is the this is another big step. And the idea is when you get to that place where you've decided it's possible, you agree with it, you act accordingly, and now you've got to let God do what God do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got to get out of the way of it. I think sometimes there's this feeling of, okay, my healing's going to come according to these things that I already know about, but this is all about letting go of that. So ask yourself, how can I trust God to fix this? How can I trust the healing process? I- I've told this story, I haven't told it in a while, so it's time to tell it again. When our son Miles was, uh, I don't know, I think he was like 12, we gave him his first like big boy watch, kind of a big deal, you know, and uh, something happened, the watch broke, just one of those things. (laughs) And we found this really cool guy downtown St. Petersburg, the finest city on the face of the earth, um, to fix the watch. And kind of a scary, weird little shop with watch parts all over. It was like something from a movie. And the guy was great. But uh, the guy said, let me see your watch. And Miles kind of, I think he was intimidated. And he was like, he was a kid. You know, he didn't and yeah. didn't really want to. He didn't want to really let it go yeah. for it to get fixed. Yeah. And the watch repairman said, it's all right. It's all right. And so the idea was. It struck me that that's our relationship with God sometimes. It's like, okay, I know it's broken. I know that it can be fixed. I'm acting accordingly, right? I'm going to the jewelry shop or whatever, but I just can't do that last thing and let God have it to fix. Well, the jewelry guy can't fix it. God can't fix it until you give it over. So that's the vital fourth step. And it's something that I think that that we can be very bad at. Well, I read all the books. I know this stuff. I'm an expert in healing. Yeah, how come your life doesn't work? Mm. Because I haven't done that thing of letting it go. There are other people who haven't read half the books you have that are way better at letting it go. You know, there's something to learn from that. 
Let God fix it. Let God in. That's the important fourth step. But all of those things together will work to bring about healing. And I'm saying this not just because I've studied a lot or whatever, not just because I've been to seminary or whatever, but because I have seen it work this way. I've seen it in our lives. I've seen it in the lives of people I care about. I have seen people walk out of hospitals instead of being carried out. It works to the degree that you do those four things. This is a big deal. All right. So this is going to be our last question for today. And somebody wants to know if God wants us to prosper. And I think that this is coming off of what you just said about healing. If God wants us to prosper, how come there are so many poor people? It's because they don't go to your church. <laughs> they don't go to Water and Stone. I mean, let's just, let's, if we're going to yeah. go there, we might as well yeah. go all and the way there. And let's judge those people. And let's just harshly. judge the heck out of them and point our fingers and uh, know <laughs> that they're doing it completely wrong. Right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, and, I agree. And I do think that it fits in nicely with what we just talked about because part of it is that healing and remember even prosperity is healing right healing cannot happen not really not permanently not in any meaningful way healing cannot happen against your will it cannot that's why you got to agree with it that's why you got to act accordingly that's why you got to trust it can't happen miracles cannot happen against your will it doesn't work that way so that's part of it and once again, we live in a culture where we identify, we tend to identify with the brokenness. We think it makes us, I don't know, interesting or cool or where we, we believe that God doesn't like us. And so we feel like we've got to earn our place at the table through emphasizing our suffering. That happens a lot. Or we just don't believe that healing is possible. That happens a lot. Or we buy into this idea that there's only so much good and you know, what comes around goes around and goes away. That's part of it. You can only get healed as far as your paradigm goes, right? And if I believe that, well, life is just mean sometimes, well, I'm going to have a diminished experience of good. All of these things are part of it. Um, and so there's a lot of those kinds of things, but I also want to take a minute and go, you know, some of this, has to do with really looking at our definition of what poor, poor is. is. This is a big deal. Yeah, you know what? I think that as a people, we need to get a lot better at taking care of each other. Yeah. You know, we need to get a lot better at whatever you do to the least of these you do to me. We need to get a lot better at sharing, just like you're supposed to in kindergarten. And I think there are some people that live their lives with so much fear that they don't know how to do that. Absolutely. We need to get way better at that. We need to follow the Jesus Christ example a lot more closely than we're doing. Absolutely. But on the other hand, I think it's also fair to say that there are people who have money who are not happy. There are people who don't have money who are. And so let's be real careful about saying you're poor because you don't have what I have. You may not even have any concept of what goes on in their lives. You know, as, as I've said before, in some parts of the world, a rich person is somebody who has a lot of goats. If you gave me a lot of goats, I would be very sad and I would not feel very wealthy. <laughs> I'm just trying a nightmare. Imagine a lot of goats. You know what I mean, though? So what is rich and what is poor? 
<laughs> I think part of this whole thing gets cured or at least benefited if we stop identifying success in life by how much money you have. Mm -hmm. This is a real problem. Let's decouple the idea of happy, successful, prosperous from the idea of a lot of zeros behind that number in your bank account. Because like I said, there are lots of happy people who don't have a lot and there are lots of people who have a lot who ain't happy. Those two things don't seem to be connected in any meaningful way. You might as well say, oh, successful people all wear red shoes. Well, there's probably successful people who do and there's probably uh, unsuccessful people who do too and it doesn't make any sense. They're not connected. Same thing with money and happiness or money and health, well-being, whatever. Prosperity needs to be defined uh, beyond material terms. So let's define it by something like good times. What is your capacity to experience good times in healthy ways that benefit the people around you, that grow you spiritually, intellectually, emotionally? What is your capacity to do that? To the capacity, to the extent that you allow yourself to have good times, you prosper. It has nothing to do with the money. Sometimes money helps that. It's not a bad thing, but it ain't the everything. What is your capacity to share that? That's the other piece of prosperity. Can I experience good and can I let that good flow? That's prosperity, right? How come there are so many poor people if God wants us to prosper? Because healing can't happen against your will. So let's get better right. at sharing with other people. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and go, well, something's broken about this system because there's a lot of unhappy people, a lot of poor people. Yeah, I get that. But Well, and don't you think that's the first step? Okay, you recognize the problem. Good job. Mm -hmm. You know, Now what do you do? What do you do about it? Yeah. That's the question. So while I think that's a very good question that came in, I might, after all of that stuff I said, and I stand by it, I think my real answer to that question is, what are you going to do about the people you see in your world who look poor to you? That's the question. It might be that a good hunk of them aren't actually poor. It's just that they don't have a lot of money. But you know what? There are people who are hurting in the world. And you and me and everybody watching this and everybody you know and everybody they know and everybody they know, we have a responsibility to ease the hurt in whatever way makes sense to our minds and our hearts, whatever we can do with our lives and our money too. So what are you going to do about it? There's something you can do today to make a little bit more good times possible for a few more people. And it's your job to do that. So that's my answer. Yeah. We need to be God's hands and feet. I love that. Yeah. Right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Please keep the questions coming. I, I know we probably have some more there and keep sending them in. We will have more opportunities to answer these questions as things progress. We're still tinkering around with the format. You know, as we come into the Christmas season, uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to be doing more lessons for the Christmas time series. And we haven't discussed it, but we might do a candle lighting service. You know, our, our candle lighting service that, that we do every year, we might just do a virtual one we this year. We might come up with something. Like we, I said, I, I just realized that just yeah. sitting here, and I know we haven't talked about it because your eyes got really wide. You're like, what? Wait, what are we doing? No, but you're right. And I'd like <laughs> to do it something. It might be, might be fun to come up with something in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And if you have some ideas, let us know. You yeah. know, this is a two-way street. But for right now, I just want to say thank you. 
We just got done with Thanksgiving. We're headed mm -hmm. into the Advent season. I'm really excited about this series of lessons. I'm going to be doing a lesson every single Sunday in the month of uh, December. I had to stop yeah. and think about yeah, what, what month it was. <laughs> and so uh, please tune in for that. This is a great time to share these with your friends. Mm -hmm. We're counting on you to share these videos. If you're watching the video, there's a share button like right there somewhere. Click that button yeah. and it makes a huge difference for the church. And as always, we're counting on you to help support this ministry in whatever way you can. And you can do that by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com. Let's take these gifts of love and substance in our minds and in our hearts and bless the offering together. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. Amen. And wherever you are, I want to remind you that you are not alone because here we pray as a family. Let's share our dedication prayer together. God, God I'm, I'm ready, ready for change. change. My, my heart, heart is open. open. I'm, I'm not, not afraid, afraid anymore. anymore. My, my life is in peace and on purpose. Amen. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. Thank you. Hey, this is Dita Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.